Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. Bibles and turn to Esther, Esther chapter number four, Esther chapter number four. Oh, that's right. Uh, here uh, we got young people from from three years old to kindergarten, three to five, three to five. Line up right here in front of this auditorium, Miss Caitlin. You can come. Line up right here, right here, right here. Come on up, come on up, come on up. Uh oh, we got these two. These two will run the whole church if you let them. Uh, come on in, uh, three year olds, four year olds, five year olds. Come on. Forward and line up, Miss Caitlin. Will I know that uh, we've got uh, some folks out? And then when Miss Caitlin will take these three to—is this—is this everybody? All right, you guys could go upstairs with Miss Caitlin. Oh, by the way, we want to thank Story Point for opening up the nursery and their facilities up to us. Let us let us say thank you so much. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna be. That's a godsend. And then the rest of the kids up here, the rest of them that come in, Miss Tamara will take you up, the rest of them, everybody else. Come on, don't look at me like, there we go, line up over here. What's the age? First through sixth grade. First through sixth grade uh, can go, and uh, if there's not enough chair, Miss Miss, uh, uh, Jennifer Grant will help you find what needs to be done, and and if there's not enough chairs, Maybe these big felt, these big strong fellows can sit on the floor, these tall ones that are just as high. They're not even looking at me. All right. Take your Bibles and turn to, thank you folks for allowing us to, to come and do this and take over. I know that this wasn't your normal, obviously, uh, music, Matthew. Oh, who, who, oh, teens, Brother Jerry, Miss Jerry and Esther, line up right, no, I'm just teasing. Uh, Jerry, if the teenagers, if you guys want to go uh, with Jerry and Esther upstairs, any of the teenagers, uh, you guys could go, or uh, if you want to stay here and listen to my preaching, uh, I won't take offense to that, neither will Jerry. Uh, and so uh, you guys could come or go however uh, the Lord leads there. Uh, again, like I said, I know uh, to story point, this isn't your normal uh, style of music and, and, and way of operating your service. And to allow us to come and do this is, is uh, just, just uh, it makes me so thankful for you folks. You're so accommodating. Uh, your pastor is away, and so I had the privilege to uh, fill his pulpit. And uh, we're actually leaving out uh, uh, right after the service uh, to Nashville uh, to go to a conference. And so to be able to combine uh, the two services. And then uh, we get free hamburgers and hot dogs. Amen. Uh, we get fed and, and uh, we're, we're thankful to you, church. Let me start off with my conclusion, if you will. I'm going to dive straight into my conclusion, and it's this. Each one of us can make a difference. In an overpopulated world, it's easy to underestimate the significance of one person. Uh, sometimes we think, what can we do? Uh, what, who am I? But God has made every one of us different for a reason, for a purpose. Our skills, our convictions, our understanding, our education, our background, our Bible knowledge, every single thing that has come into your life, God has brought about for a purpose. We wonder, what can I, as one individual, contribute to the overwhelming need of the world? It is so easy to allow the vastness of our surrounding and the uh, vastness of the need to do a number on us to think, there's nothing I can do. 
Uh, but if you're alive, and if you're breathing, and if God's given you vision and hearing and the ability to, to live, if you're drawing breath, God has a purpose for you. Amen? So we're going to look at Esther chapter number four. I preached the first part of it. And uh, let's begin reading in verse 13. Esther chapter four and verse 13. We'll read this passage and then we'll kind of break it down and review what we kind of have already learned. The Bible reads in verse 13, then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who know, knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom, and we all have heard this and used this phrase, for such a time as this. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Verse 16, go gather together all the Jews that are present, Sushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. That's very specific. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Lord, we thank you for the power of God's word. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come together as churches. And uh, Lord, I thank you for the message that uh, you could use every single person here. And you've got a plan for every single person here. And God, you want to see every single person here come to the saving faith of Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's someone here that's kind of searching. If there's someone here that has heard about God, but they don't know him. They've heard about Jesus, but it's maybe been in a curse word, or it's been in something cross, or been made fun of, or part of a joke. Uh, They don't know the Jesus that died for their sins according to the scripture, that was buried, and that rose again. God, I pray that you would touch the heart of that individual, open their blind eyes, and save their soul, even in this hour. Uh, God, I pray you would encourage maybe someone here that is discouraged, hurting, in pain. God, build us, mold us, and make us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we sit here, and we'll kind of review what we looked at the last time I was with you. Uh, So here we have a man by the name of King Ahasuerus. His name is Xerxes in his history. We understand that uh, there was many different Ahasuerus's, but this king basically threw a party for 180 days, for six months. And man, he just was wowing the people and trying to show how powerful and how confident and how wealthy he was. And, and so he threw this party and he threw this uh, this feast, and, and, and he wanted to get, gain their confidence, if you will, gain their confidence so that he can, Persia, go uh, and defeat the Grecians. And uh, so sure enough, at the end of that six-month party, he threw a party for seven days. 
In that seven days, it was unlimited alcohol. Each uh, cup had its own name, and it was designed for a specific person. Uh, some historians say that they brought the concubines in, and that this was a wicked, sinful, orgy type of uh, of party, and it was uh, it was lavish, and it was just debauched. And in the process, uh, he wanted to show off his queen's beauty. Queen Vashti is her name. And so he said, Queen Vashti, summons Queen Vashti. Bring her so I can portray her before the people. No telling what type of lewd thing they were thinking or what uh, was going on as these men were drunk and they were uh, uh, probably not in their right minds, inebriated. And, and so she basically said, ah, <laughs> no, count me out. I'm not going to that. I'm not going to that party. I'm not going to be a part of your, your sin. I'm not going to be a part of this mess. And so she denied the king. Well, you don't do that. That could be your life if you basically don't listen to what the king said. So sure enough, she denied the king and the, the men that were there were afraid of some type of women's lib movement that was gonna come together because if the queen doesn't have to listen to the king, then none of our wives are gonna listen to us. And so they basically said, king, you're gonna have to punish her. Come on, help us out. You know, you men aren't laughing. Anyways, uh, uh, and so they said, help us out here. And so sure enough, he sat there and he said, I'm going to banish her from my presence. I'm going to divorce her. I'm going to leave her. She is never going to be allowed to see me. Probably drunken. What a stupid thing for a man to do. Uh, and sure enough, when you basically write a law in the Medes and Persians, it could not be reversed. And so he banished her. Well, he goes off to Greece. He loses miserably. And sure enough, he comes home after losing his entire uh, Navy uh, ships, all his Navy ships. And it was just a mess. It's where we get the Battle of Marathon and the Battle of uh, Solace and all these different things went on. And it was just a devastation. So he comes back. He's lost a battle and he's lonely. The men basically say, hey, let's find, uh, let's throw a beauty contest to find you a queen. So sure enough, they find all the fair young virgins that we looked at the last time I was with you. And then in doing so, they found this little Jewish girl by the name of Hadassah. And Hadassah realized uh, she was basically orphaned by her parents that we looked at and probably the siege that Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon had taken over and, and, and probably parents may have died and that's just speculation. But however it came about, she was orphaned. And her cousin Mordecai came along and said, Hadassah, I'll be your father. I'll take care of you. Uh, I won't let anything happen to you. And then in this process of this beauty contest, he knew that this young lady, the Bible says she was fair and beautiful. She, uh, she, she had all the attributes of what they were looking for as far as a virgin is concerned. And so he knew that they were probably going to come and take her. So he said, we're going to change your name to Esther uh, after the God of a star. And it, it, it's, it's, it's basically the meaning is, is star and uh, her other Hadassah name is Myrtle. And uh, so the, the point being here, this little girl was taken into captivity, put in this palace for this harem. For a year, they did the beauty contest. We looked at that. And then all of a sudden, he found favor upon her. She became queen. She is now sitting in the palace with the royal uh, garbs and uh, walking about with authority and position. When all of a sudden this man by the name of Haman comes along and he uh, wants to be bowed down to. He wants to be worshipped, if you will. He wants people to know who he is. And in his pride, uh, he wants everybody uh, to sit here and bow. And this was King Ahasuerus' command that people do this. 
but Mordecai, I believe, was a God-fearing man and would not bow because he would only worship God and God alone, the God of Yahweh. Uh, and so sure enough, here comes this evil Haman and Mordecai sits here and probably shakes his head no and everybody's kind of looking around like, what? And he's like, uh-uh, not gonna bow down to you. Well, that enrages him. And that enrages him in such a way that he talks the king into making a decree and, and this decree was going to wipe out all the Jews and anybody that killed these Jews could take from their spoil and that through that he was going to give to the kingdom millions of dollars and it was going to benefit the king, it was going to benefit the community and he was going to rid the world of all the Jews. Well, the king basically sat there and said, here's my ring, go ahead and stamp it. It'll be the law of the Medes and Persians. So boom, pow, he stamped it and it was set in place. Here we come upon Esther chapter number four. Uh, in the process, all of a sudden you see in verse number one, the Bible reads, when Mordecai perceived all that was done, that's everything I had just said, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out in the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry, and came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every providence, whethersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. The first thing I'm going to look at is Mordecai's passion. Uh, here's a man that finds out that there's been a decree and that he and all the people are going to be killed. Every child, every woman, every man, every Jew was going to be completely killed, wiped off the face of this earth. That brought him to a place where he put this sackcloth and ashes. This is like a burlap sap. This is something that is not comfortable. It's very coarse. That hurts. And he puts it on to let everybody know, I'm not comfortable. And even if, after I forget this, I'm going to leave this on to kind of rub me raw, to help me realize that this is a place of mourning. This is a place of pain. I do not want to be here. He was broken hearted for his people. It makes me think in this position, what impassions you? What uh, brings you to the place where uh, it would make you kind of uh, come to a place of tears, uh, come to a place of agitation? Uh, what uh, just do you love? Now, I could sit here and talk about turkey, chicken, steak, fish, shrimp, crab, and we can all of a sudden say, oh yeah, a mashed potatoes, sweet potato. I can start talking about food and all of a sudden I get everybody's uh, love language. Amen. I mean, I, I happened to go on a cruise last month and had the privilege of enjoying that all you could eat. Never been on a cruise before, never experienced uh, having all that just at my uh, fingertips. And sure enough, man, I ate crab legs. Uh, I went up to that bar and I put crab legs. It was, I was like having to hold it to my table and they're like, you can go back. But anyways, uh -uh, I, can, I put it down on the table and I'm eating and I'm eating. And after the family eats, we get up and uh, we sit down and we're like, what are we going to do now? And we're like, I don't know. Let's go back, eat some more, you know? Uh, and so we do. And that's all we did. I gained over 10 pounds on that little cruise uh, that we enjoyed as a family. My daughter was leaving for college. And so it was our kind of last big family vacation where it was just kind of, and there was a lot of family time and it was exactly what we wanted. Uh, we laughed and, uh, and enjoyed ourselves. But my point is, man, when we talk about food, we talk about things we love. Amen? 
when we talk about uh, experiencing uh, events and vacations, and there, all of us have certain passions. But I would like to think that in a believer's heart, they're passionate about their church. They're passionate about their Savior. They're passionate about the cause of Christ. They're passionate about God's work, God's word. Uh, they're passionate, uh, and it brings them to a place where they just can't get enough. They can't get enough preaching. They can't get enough prayer. They can't get enough togetherness. Hey, I enjoy when the church comes together and we begin to sing praises to the Lord. There's nothing that thrills my heart more than when the church begins to just, uh, just worship the Lord and when the preaching is opened up and the word of God is preached. I long for the days of revival. How many knows what I'm talking about? I long for that time of praise and I long, I love uh, when we get together. And the Bible says we are to rejoice with those that rejoice and we are to weep with those that weep. I hope that we're passionate about people that are hurting. I hope what we come alongside when we find out that somebody has lost their loved one. Someone has lost a child. Someone has lost someone in their life that was significant, a friend, a, a sister, a brother. And in their, in their grief and in their pain, we don't just sit here and say, well, we'll pray for you, but we'll come alongside and we'll sit down and we'll cry with them. And we'll put their, your, their arm, your arm around them and let them know, hey, I'm hurting with you. I'm hurting because you're hurting. The Bible says we are to weep with those that weep. Uh, we are to rejoice with those that rejoice. I never, I don't get it when, when somebody gets a new car or somebody uh, gets a new job or they're, they're excited about a certain thing that people get jealous. They're like, oh, uh, why has it? No, I rejoice. I'm like, praise the Lord. That is awesome. Oh, the Lord gave you that opportunity. Oh, you get to do that? I never sit here and envy anybody. I get excited for the, the opportunities God has given people. Amen? We are to rejoice with those that have uh, blessings and, and things, and we are to hurt with those that hurt. And here, Mordecai is living in this isolation and this difficult, or Mordecai was concerned about his people, and all the Jews were horrified that uh, the slaughter was about to be happening, but Esther was living in isolation of the queen's house. Esther didn't know enough to be concerned about this thing. And so all of a sudden, we see the Jews' problem. The Queen Esther needed more information. She, she, she needed to understand here is uh, her brother, or excuse me, her cousin, that's a father figure, out there crying, out there mourning, at sackcloth and ashes at the king's gate, and everybody's saying, something's wrong with him, something's wrong with him. And, and she's like, hey, figure out what's going on. Figure out what we could do. Here, take some clothes. And in those days, to be given clothes from the palace you wouldn't refuse that. I mean, that's something of value. It's not like us that have our, our entire closets full and we're like, what, I have nothing to wear. And yet it's like a walk-in closet packed full. I have nothing to wear. I don't know. None of this I want to wear. And it's like first world problems. Anyways, uh, here we've got an individual that probably wasn't in that. So for her from the palace to be given clothes and him to say no, all of a sudden she's like, got to get to the bottom of this. Verse number five, the Bible says, then called Esther for Hatach. That was a servant that the king's chamberlains whom he had appointed to attend upon her and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hatach went forth in verse number seven. It says, Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasury of the Jews to destroy them. 
Also he gave him the copy of the writing and the decree and, the, and, and charged her that she should go to the king. Uh, so basically he's sitting here saying, tell her she needs to go to the king because all the Jews are going to die. And if she doesn't stand up and she doesn't do something, she, we're, we're dead. And so here the Jews had a problem and that was they were going to die. But then of course, Esther in verses number nine through 11 has a problem. And if you look at verse number 11, all the king's servants and all the people of the king's providence do know, so she's now answering Mordecai back, that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king and into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter. So basically, if she were to go into the king's presence uh, and she were unannounced, it could be her death right then. So her problem was she couldn't just go to the king. She couldn't just go in and, 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 and ask questions. And, and it was, could have been her life. As a matter of fact, there towards the very end, and she says, and have not been called unto the king these 30 days. She hasn't seen him in over 30 days. And so the problem was the Jews were going to die. Her problem was that she could not go before the king because it would be her life. And you know, it makes me think of our problem. You know, they were going to die. She couldn't go before the king. And we kind of have the same problem. Every one of us has a problem when we are born, and that's called sin. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. You see, Adam uh, chose to sin. Eve was deceived, but Adam willingly, knowing what God had said, took of the fruit. And in that moment, sin entered the world. And the Bible says, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, death by sin, death passed upon all men for all have sinned. We're all sinners. The minute we're born into this world, we automatically are at enmity with the God of heaven. Because of our sin, we can't come boldly before his throne because God cannot look upon sin. So automatically, we are at a, 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 a disconnect with God. Our sin has separated us from God. And our problem is we can't save ourselves. Amen? You can try and do good. You can try and go to church. You can get up here and sing on the platform. You can read your Bible. You can pray. You can do all these things. But the fact of the matter is, is we can't save ourselves. But God commandeth his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. Us. All of you. Christ died for us. Uh, so while we were sinners, God sent his only begotten son. Uh, and in that only begotten son was purity, sinlessness. And when he went to the cross of Calvary, he paid man's sin's penalty. As a matter of fact, every sin I've ever committed, Jesus paid for. Everything I've ever thought, everything I've ever said, everything I've ever done that I'm ashamed of, Jesus took upon himself on the cross, shed his blood, and through the shedding of blood, I can find remission of sin. See, my problem was I was a sinner. I am a sinner, and I cannot uh, stop sinning, but God sent his son, and his son went to the cross and paid sin's penalty, and through the faith in Jesus Christ, I can resolve the problem problem I have and be saved. It's called repentance. You know what repentance means? Repentance means this, to agree with God. That's repentance. I understand that God is holy. He is pure. 
He is just. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing incorrect. He is perfect. But then there's me. I'm flawed. I'm a sinner. I, I, I'm of my father, the devil. I, I, I can't save myself. But when all of a sudden I begin to read God's word and he tells me who I am and I say, you know what? God, you're right. I am a sinner. In that moment, that's called repentance. That's called I'm agreeing with what he thinks, what he has said, where I stand. I'm a sinner, God. I'm in need of a redeemer. As a matter of fact, God said uh, we need a redeemer. That's why he sent his son. And in that moment, agreeing with him is where repentance, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a savior. I need, I need something. I need redemption. I need salvation. I need justification. I need these things. And in that moment, God, in his sovereignty, in his power, forgives me of my sin. And when I put my trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, I get saved. And so my problem was I'm a sinner, just as the Jews' problem was they were going to die and Esther couldn't go before the king. I hope if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, that you would confess your sin and get rid of that problem and get the answer in Jesus Christ. I hope that you wouldn't sit here and try and perform because that's not going to help you and that's not going to save you. I hope you're not going to find religion uh, because that's not going to save you and that's not going to help you. But Jesus will save you and he will help you and sanctify you so we see the problem they had. But then here's Esther's protection. Some of us think this way, uh, but uh, it's, it's right here in verse number uh, 12. And they told Mordecai Esther's words. Verse 13, Mordecai commanded to Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape. This is verse 13 in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if all together holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews. Uh, he's sitting here saying, hey, Esther, you may have protection in that palace, but don't you think that this isn't going to come knocking at your door? Hey, Esther Hadassah, you're a little Jewish girl, and King Evil Haman is right next. He's the prime minister. He's right next to your husband. And after all these Jews are going to be going to die, they're eventually going to come looking for Hadassah. They're eventually going to come knocking at your door. And you, as a Jew, will die too. Don't think that this isn't going to meet you. I believe sometimes that we think uh, we're in church. Uh, we, we live in Gulf Breeze. Uh, we, we, we live in a, a good neighborhood. Oh, we, we, we understand God's word. We, we have accepted Jesus and his finished work on the cross of Calvary. We're good. We're protected. Nothing bad's going to happen to us, but that's deceitful thinking. To sit here and live uh, in a bubble is not going to help any of us. Uh, we live in a sin-cursed earth, and it's dangerous. Has anybody watched the news in the last 24 hours or, or the last week? Uh, if you you've watched it for the last month, you, you want, you'll go crazy. Uh, I had to finally just turn the news off and focus on God's news. Uh, because you look out and you see the, 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 the pain and the crime and things taking place around. I live in a, a pretty nice upper scale neighborhood. 
And just in the last week, I got a call from uh, the president of the homeowners, and I'm part of that whole uh, clan, and we're uh, get, getting things uh, fixed up, and, and, and uh, it's a nice place. People walk in our neighborhood all the time, nice sidewalks, manicured yards. And she said, hey, did you hear on this such and such a street that someone kicked in the back window and robbed them? And I said, what? They said, and they didn't just rob them, they cleaned them out. In broad daylight, they pulled up their moving truck or van and started uh, taking all the electronics and the jewelry and whatever. And I said, you're kidding. And she said, no, we think it's probably somebody that's done some work in the house and knew the layout and knew the people. It's business owners that uh, own the, the manicure place. So they work from morning till evening. And, and in the middle of the day, All of a sudden, they come up in my neighborhood and start robbing some homes. And we're all kind of thinking, how could it happen in our neighborhood? That is crazy that it would, uh, it just kind of shakes you. Here, Esther's thinking, I'm the queen. I'm in the palace. I'm okay. No, you're not. Uh, Hey, church, we got to wake up and realize there is a world going to hell outside these doors. There is uh, a community that used to, at one point, fear God, respect the Bible, respect the house of God. But anymore, they are turning animus, uh, angry, and vitri- uh, towards the church. They, they, they don't respect uh, God and our position and holiness and purity, and, and they want to tear down uh, our position, and they want us to stop standing for truth, and there is a lost world that wants to take us out if we don't stand for the love of Christ, and we don't get out here and begin sowing the good seed. Uh, We don't begin showing the love of Christ. We don't get uh, into communities and seeing God's word, God's power. The Bible says it's the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Uh, If we would take the answer and take the, uh, the word into these communities, we will begin to see people saved. Uh, we have got to understand that we can't just sit here and think we're okay. We're saved. We're all good. Uh, nothing's going to happen. No, uh, we've got to get out here and save our community and see the Lord do a work because if not, our society will go to hell in a handbasket. If not, the, the foundation will begin to crumble around us and we'll sit back and watch and think, we're all good. Uh, it's okay. Well, no, we can't have that thinking. And that's exactly what Mordecai's telling Esther. Think not to thyself. But then there's Abraham's promise. You say, Abraham, where does he come in? Verse 14, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall the enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Mordecai had complete confidence in God. He knew that the Lord had promised to give Messiah through the descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew that in Genesis chapter number 12, that he sat there and he said, look to the stars, look at the sand. You see, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a great nation. And this Jewish people are going to, my line, my uh, Messiah, messianic line is going to come through the, the Jewish line and, and I will protect you and I will curse them that curse you and I will bless them that bless you. And he Mordecai knew God had made the Jews promise. And so he's sitting here saying to Esther, it's going to happen with you or without you. God's going to have his will done. You could be a part of it or you could sit here and think you're going to do your own thing. You can can either get on board with God's plan or you can hide and think 
and eh, it's not going to affect you. He is basically saying God's going to have his will. God's going to fulfill his promise, and you could be on point or not. I'm telling you, I have had times in my own life where God has made me a promise from his word. And I've at times uh, read it and, and doubted it, but rest assured that when God makes man a promise, he will fulfill it to any end. Uh, people can, Satan can come against it. Uh, people can try and to oppose it. When God makes his people a promise, he cannot but fulfill it because God is not a father of lies or a liar. When God makes a people a promise, he's going to fulfill it. And I have been in the Esther moment at times where it's all of a sudden I have to sit here and put my neck on the line. I have to put myself out there and I thought, man, this could go bad. If I'm not careful, this could just completely destroy everything. But I trusted God and I walked in his ways and I stood upon his word and I stood upon his principles. And when it seemed like everything was going against it, I sat there and I said, I cannot fo focus on what I see because I know God made a promise. And if you have a situation in your life, I'd encourage you, go to his word, find a promise, and stand upon the promises of God. And you don't have to sit here and be up one day and down the next and up one day. When things go wrong, you could sit here and say, it's all right. It's part of God's plan. God's in control. And I have been in this moment where God has made a promise and he fulfills it. Here we see, of course, God's promise. And that is that we are to discover our purpose. Uh, here uh, we see the promise to Abraham and then, of course, the purpose of God, bringing me to my conclusion. Uh, discover God's purpose. Uh, here we see Hadassah and the purpose when it says, and know whether thou art come for such a time as this. Uh, she understands, okay, uh, you have these people pray, you have them fast, and if I perish, I perish. Uh, real quickly, in my conclusion, here I think Hadassah probably went back and thought about all the pain she had been through. She probably remembered when she was a child and mom and dad were killed. And she probably sat there and remembered every night she cried herself to sleep she probably remembers Mordecai coming alongside of her and saying, I'm so sorry, Esther. And she probably remembers, why did God do this? Why did God take mom and daddy? Why did he do this? Why did we get seized? Why do we hear in this Persian empire or Babylonian? Why is, this, uh, why is this happening? And Mordecai, I don't know, Hadassah, but listen, I'm, I, I won't let anything bad happen to you. I'm gonna, I, I love you. I'm going to be your father. I, I can't take their place, but I'll do my best to make it up to you. And then sure enough, all of a sudden, when the Jews were able to go home and all the people were packing up and they were able to go back to their homeland and she was probably like, yes, all right, runs home to Mordecai and she says, hey, are we packing? Are we going? And Mordecai says, uh, uh, no, uh, but let's go home. That's where mom and daddy are buried. That's where uh, life, we can rebuild, we can get, everybody's going. No, we're, we're working in the, in the palace gates. Uh, I'm, I, I can't go. There's nothing at home for us, but, but everybody's going and we're going to be left here with these and he says, I'm sorry, we're staying, Hadassah. She probably cried as she had to say goodbye to her friends. And then only 
to find out that they were having a beauty contest and she was a beautiful young virgin. And here he is, comfortable once again in Mordecai's home for the guards to break through and say, the king has need of her. Uh, and no, no, please, no, no. And, and he looks at Mordecai, Mordecai! And she gets put into a temple with almost 400 other women and they've been trained and taught that they're going to stand before this king that could do anything he wants sexually with them. And if he does it later... He could just throw him in the harem and never see him again. And they could never marry again, I'm sure. In the palace, she was crying herself to sleep once again to sit here and think that she's in this place and she was looking up to heaven and the stars say, God, why does this stuff keep happening to me? Why, why? All this different pain only at this moment to hear her Mordecai say, you have been here for such a time as this. And she rewinds back to all of a sudden that moment when mom and daddy were killed and that moment when all her friends left and that moment when she was taken out of Mordecai's home and that moment when she stood before the king all nervous and uh, butterflies in her stomach and all these moments all of a sudden realized, oh, God brought me through that pain and all that different time for such a time as this. I'm going to go and I'm going to put my neck on the line. I experienced all this, losing my parents, changing my name, saying goodbye to my friends, being pulled out of Mordecai's home for this very moment to stand before the king for my Jewish relatives. And I'm here to sit here and say this, that God has a plan for every single person. Any pain you've been through, any victories you've experienced, the the convictions you stand upon, whoever you are, God has ingrained that into you for this very hour for this very day, so that you could make a difference in your community. And so you're here for such a time as this. Again, the vastness of this community, the vastness of the church, and all the, what could I possibly do? You can serve the Lord with your voice. You could be faithful with your eyes. You could stand upon his promises and his word, and God will use you. Because if he won't, why are you here? If he, if he doesn't have a plan, he'd be done with you. But the fact that you're bro- drawing breath and the fact that you have a Bible and the fact that he saved your soul and the fact that you're standing upon his word and his principles means that God has a purpose for your very existence. Now, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ is your savior, I would encourage you, dive in. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. To live this life on your own is a very miserable place to be. Nothing makes sense until you meet Jesus and you begin to see what he's doing, how he has the ultimate plan for the end. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, I would encourage you to. If you're here and you still have breath in your lungs, serve the Lord with every fiber of your being. And God will use you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word. We thank you for the fact that you've got a purpose and a plan. Lord, there's a process and there's pain that some people have been through. Lord, I know some have lost their children. Some have lost their husbands or wives. Some have been through difficult times with their career. Some are right now in a tumultuous situation and don't know exactly how things are going to unfold. But God, I pray 
they would stand, having done all to stand. I pray that they would stand in the gap, that they'd fill in, that they would speak up, that they would sing, that they would read, that they would pray, they would use the time. Lord, our country needs them. Lord, this church needs them. Lord, this community needs them. And Lord, we need you most and foremost. Uh, God, I pray that you would do a work in the hearts of the people that are sitting here thinking, what could I do? Who am I? How could God use me? God, amaze them with the ability you have to bring purpose to their very lives. Uh, Lord, use the pain, just like Hadassah, of people that have been through this process, been through the struggle, been through the heartbreaks, to realize and to know that you have got an ultimate plan for all that difficulty to help someone through it that's going to face it in the near future. God, use us, and we'll thank you for it. Find out more about First Baptist Church, go to